Blog Talk Radio. Glamour Fearless, Even Talk Radio. Because I'm ready to welcome you to the Mr. Divabetic Show. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and I'm bringing sexy back with tonight's podcast, which is part of our Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance campaign to raise awareness for sexual wellness issues related to diabetes in a fun and informative manner. Divabetic's Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance campaign wants you to know that if you're suffering from diabetes-related sexual health issues, that you're not alone. We're here to help. The good news is that for people who seek out treatment and adhere to proper diabetes self-care management, you can still enjoy a happily ever after, like the characters living in Thunder Point, showcased in Robin Carr's best-selling book, The Hero. For the next hour, I'll be turning up the heat with my guest, best-selling author Robin Carr, Chef Robert Lewis, the happy diabetic, the leader of the Diva Club in Cleveland, Marianne Nicolay, Stephanie Garber from Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, and Jennifer Martzloff from Trig Laboratories. Now, just a couple quick announcements in the Diva News, and then we'll get on with the show. I have to say congratulations to my friends Susan Weiner and Leslie Josell, whose new book, The Complete Diabetes Organizer, was released today. You could get your copy of, at Amazon.com, and yours truly and my friend Chef Robert Lewis, who's going to be on the show a little later, are both featured in that book. It's a really great way to get organized with your diabetes. And, and Susan is a registered dietitian, and Leslie is a professional organizer. So if you're a little bit confused or somewhat of a hoarder like I am, this is the book you've been looking for. I also want to thank Chris, the blood sugar wizard, for having me be a guest on her podcast earlier today. And Sharice and Scott, the hosts of DSMA Podcast who had me on their podcast last week. Plus, we have to say hello to all the divas in Worcester, Massachusetts, who attended the Taking Control of Your Diabetes Conference and Health Fair over the weekend. I had the best time, and I want to share with everyone something that I think was one of the highlights of the show. I got to read one of Lorraine Brooks' poems. It's part of our Diabetes Fairy Tale Outreach Program, which is going to be kicking off in November at in Pittsburgh at the ADA Expo. And so um, the theme here was that I wanted to take fairy tales this year and use them to help kind of motivate and inspire you to want to um, approach your diabetes self-care with a little humor and maybe get a little bit more inspired. And I thought uh, so many of these popular fairy tales really take on some major moral issues in our lives, why not give them a a diabetes spin? So Lorraine Brooks, who appears regularly on our Diabetes Roundtable podcast, uh, helped me, and she wrote these wonderful poems, and the one I wanted to share tonight was Beauty and the Beast. A beauty named Belle, says the story, was a lovely and humble lass. She was regal in all her glory, but she had diabetes, alas. She thought diabetes was just a big beast and that it was going to get her. 
But with education, her courage increased. She knew she was going to get better. One day she was high, the next day too low. She tested and looked at her meter. She took her supplies with her wherever she'd go. Diabetes wasn't going to defeat her. She looked at the beast right straight in the face and said, I'm not scared of you. Diabetes was something she couldn't erase, so she had to do all she could do. Take care of it, own it, and make it your friend, and don't be afraid to embrace it. There's no beast on earth that you cannot defend if only you have the courage to face it. That is one of the poems from our upcoming Diabetes Fairy Tale in Pittsburgh, ADA. And if you want to see more of those poems, we're going to be posting them at divabetic.org. Now let's get on with a little bit of the uh, Diva news. Okay, I was watching the Emmys. I know I'm uh, really um, unpopular for saying this, but I hated Heidi Klum's dress. I don't know why all these fashion bloggers just keep saying they love it, they love it, they love it. I thought it belonged on Dancing with the Stars, not on the red carpet. I just want to come out right now and let you know how I feel about that. And uh, if you've got, if you're as opinionated as I am about fashion, then you need to come to Diva Bedics. Facebook fan page because every time there's a major award show, all the divas and dudes are playing our fashion game buy, borrow, or burn. We take three of the outfits off the red carpet. You have to tell me which one you would buy for yourself, which one you would lend to a friend to borrow, and then you could actually take a match and burn one of them. And I have to tell you, I I was burning Heidi Klum's outfit. So I know Jose who was on the uh, or Josie who was on entertainment tonight loved it but i actually didn't enjoy it so every diva's got an attitude and i'm just expressing mine thank you very much and now help us spread the power of love by showing your support for our dazzling brand of diabetes outreach by donating today at divabetic.org your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated did you know that millions of people with diabetes experience sexual health problems but very few seek help Most people feel uncomfortable or embarrassed to talk to their doctors because the subject is still considered taboo. People, it's 2013, come on. And, you know, that might seem hard to believe when you consider that almost 30 years ago, a singer named Sheena Easton sung about her sugar walls on the album A Private Heaven. The song was written by Prince with a top ten hit in the U.S. on both the pop and R&B charts. Long before Miley Cyrus was twerking, people, Sheena Easton was raising her share of eyebrows by singing about the walls of her vagina. Yes, I said the V word. This is our Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance podcast, um, which was considered suggestive and qualified for the Filthy 15. Well, my first guest has no interest in being part of the Filthy Filthy 15. She'd actually rather talk about the rule of 15. She's been the leader of the Diva Club in Cleveland, Ohio, for over four years. That is a program that's provided by the Diabetes Partnership of Cleveland. And when it comes to dining out Diva style, she's my favorite guest. So please join me in welcoming my first guest tonight, Marianne Nicolay. Hello, Marianne. Hi, Max. Hi, Max. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's always great to have you uh, be a part of it. I know, did you watch the Emmys at all? Um, No, I'm in school, Max, so I was busy doing homework. I did not see the Emmys. I don't know who or what, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) Well, I'm not. (laughs) I guess that's why I'm Mr. (laughs) Divabetic. Well, you have been really busy. You're in school, and you host the Diva Diva Club, excuse me, every month at in Cleveland. Tell everyone a little bit about the Diva the Diva Club. 
Well, you know, we are actually starting our seventh year in November. I cannot believe it's been that long, but we're going into year number seven in November. And um, the Divas meet the second Saturday of every month at our office in Beechwood, and we meet from 10 in the morning until about noontime. We cover a different topic related to diabetes every month. We try to do some, you know, silly things, some serious things. We, We just try to have fun with it. And um, it's not like you come in and get preached to. This is audience participation. Everybody's involved, and it's really a great group. It's the one thing I don't mind going to work for on the weekends. It's a fun group. Now, some of the this, this is oh, this is a free program. It's open to women right. with living with both type one and type two diabetes. A lot of people in the community hate that concept of mixing type one and type two diabetes. How do those women get along? Oh, they get along fine. Everybody helps each other. It's really just wonderful. We had one diva, um, well, there, the two of them, um, one had been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when she was about 43 years old. Can you believe that? Wow. And um, another, and so she was on insulin right away and was using an insulin pen. There was another diva who was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and oral pills weren't working too well for her. So she needed to go on insulin and wasn't real happy about that. But these two paired up together and, um, you know, they helped each other so much. And um, our diva that had to start taking insulin was um, the other one just taught her how not to be ashamed of it, how to, you know, use an insulin pen and be comfortable. And it was absolutely wonderful to see that relationship blossom. It was just great. And so our divas all get along. They help each other out. Um, that's what we're there for. It's just not ever a problem. And I know, like, in November, you, you said you, you have a lighthearted approach uh, to mm-hmm. outreach like we do, and I know in November you're going to be doing your annual pity party. So tell us a little bit about the pity party. Yep. Um, almost every year we do a pity party. Usually, um, well, it, it happens at different times during the year. But this is the one time where you can come in and moan and groan and bitch and whine. That's okay. We expect you to do that. Let's get it out of our system. And then let's learn how to deal with whatever it is that's bothering us. And this November, we're going to be addressing the uh, issue of diabetes and depression because we know that the two are related. And um, most people with chronic illness are going to face depression, whether it's a case of the blues or a chronic issue. And so we're going to learn how to look at the symptoms and recognize them in ourselves and other people. We're going to um, talk about ways to deal with it. And then we're going to we're going to learn to do that, and we're going to learn to help each other with that. So it's always fun. It always starts out serious. Sometimes there are some tears shed, but it always turns around into something fun and lighthearted by the end of the, of the uh, program. So it's going to be fun. It's something that our divas really look forward to every year. Well, and I've met the divas in Cleveland, so I want a big shout out to them and tell them how much uh, it's just a joy, <coughs> excuse me, to be able to partner with you on that. Now, you know, we both believe in hobbies could be a big help in just dealing with mild depression and just changing your mind. So I know reading, we're going to be talking later on to best-selling author Robin Carr, whose book The Hero is on my favorite uh, things list for the year. Um, and I know you've been doing some serious reading. So what have you been reading lately? Uh, outside of textbooks, I've been reading, um, this summer I read this wonderful book called Palisades Park, and it's by Alan um, Bernard, I think. 
Um, but it's a story of life at Palisades Park on the boardwalk on the Jersey Shores, and it just follows the family through their life at Palisades Park. It was just wonderful. I was so sad when it ended, but I love that book. I recommend it to everybody. But the book that I'm reading now is called The Art of War for Women, and this is a perfect book for divas because it helps um, it helps you to identify what it is that you want out of life and strategies and tips for getting it. And it's not a real heavy book. It's, it's um, easy to read, and the messages are right there in your face. You can take them, take the ones that will help you, and leave the rest. Um, but it's just such a wonderful book. I have been buying this and giving it out to all of my friends because I just love this book so much. I recommend it to all the divas. I'm going to post it on the Divabetic blog tomorrow. I love that. But, you know, a lot of divas, all types of divas living with diabetes, um, not only should they be reading for joy, they should actually be reading some food labels. So before you go, you were going to give us some tips on how to read a food label if you're living with at risk or affected by diabetes and just interested in staying happy and healthy. You know, and we do, um, in our diva sessions, we always try to mix a little bit of nutrition in there because that's what everybody is concerned about, and that's where their questions are. So regardless of what health issues you might have, like high blood pressure or cholesterol, um, we always, always, always look at the serving size whenever we're eating out, whenever we're looking at food labels. Look at the serving size and the number of portions that are in the package. You have to know what it is that you're eating. You've got to know what the serving size is because that's what all the nutrition information is based on. And then after you do that, hop down to about the middle of the food label and look at total carbohydrate. A lot of folks still like to look at the amount of sugar in food, but that's like looking at half of a picture. We want to see the whole picture. So always look at total carbohydrate. Sugar is going to be included in that, and so is fiber. But look at total carbohydrate, and then you can see how to fit a serving of that food into your meal plan. Because my belief is all foods fit. Maybe not every time we want it, but all foods fit. And if we use that nutrition information, we can figure out how to do that. Great. Well, that's great advice. And, you know, I know in December the soup's going to be on the Diva Soup's going to be on at the Diva Club in Cleveland, right. so you might want to stay tuned because later on today I'm going to have Chef Robert Lewis, the happy diabetic, sharing recipes from his newest cookbook, Cook Fresh, Live Happy, and he's got some great soup recipes in there, Marianne. But right now, I want to thank you for being on the show and oh, let you know, pleasure. ladies and gentlemen, we don't need another hero because I'm going to introduce you to the best-selling author whose newest novel, The Hero, recently took the number one spot in the New York Times best-selling fiction list. Please welcome best-selling author Robin Carr. Hello, Robin. Hey, how you doing? I'm feeling fabulous. Number one, what does that feel like? Congratulations. It feels pretty darn good. I mean, it just it's just taken the world by storm. For, for one beautiful week, it was the best-selling book in America. Doesn't that make you believe in the American dream? Because, you know, when Luther, I worked for Luther Vandross, and when Luther's album Dance With My Father hit the number one spot on the Billboard charts, I was just uh-huh. kind of like in awe. You know, so I, I just, I mean, it's a humbling experience, isn't it? It really is. And for and for a little while, 
you can't even breathe. It's uh, it's just it's just so shocking and and wonderful and surprising. Well, and and you know, for people who aren't familiar with your work, you've been at this for a long time. You started writing. Your first book came out in 1978, and you had your first yep. bestseller in 2008. And is this your first number one book? Nope, it's my seventh number one. All right, I love that. But it's oh, seven's a lucky I've number. Been, yeah, it's the first time I've ever been number one on more than one list. It was number one on the New York Times, USA Today, Publishers Weekly. It was number one everywhere. It was um, it was pretty amazing. So um, it um, that was that was uh, that was like an achievement you can't even dare hope for. You know, it's one of those things that either happens or it doesn't, right? Absolutely. Now, why do you think this book, The Hero, resonated so strongly with America? I think it has a lot to do with it being an ongoing series. And people who started with the first book in the series couldn't wait to see what happened next and couldn't wait to see what happened next. And The Hero is the third book in the series. So by the time that book hit the stands, they were just must have been lined up at the door to grab it. And um, and I think they really fell in love with Thunder Point. It's a very fun community. I love Thunder Point. I mean, I know it's fictional. It made me think of Big Sur. I know that it's set up in Oregon, correct? Right, uh-huh. But it it just has it just sounds so majestic and I mean, I love the way you describe um, the scenery, because anyone who's ever been to the West Coast and had the opportunity to drive down or up Highway One, I mean, it, it just—I mean, it just takes your breath away. And I really feel felt like you captured that in the book. But the characters are um, equally intriguing, and I want to talk about the hero because you have a heroine in this book that really faces some amazing challenges. Um, without giving too much away, I guess we could talk about it. She's she was. Uh, Devin, I wanted to speak specifically about Devin because I feel that character right. is so interesting. Did you do a lot of research on her backstory before we tell people what it was about? I don't, you know, I didn't have to do a lot of specific research on her backstory, but I'd like to talk about that a little bit. You know, there's um, there's a new poor in this country, and we have to be conscious of it. You know, they're not the poor people of this country are often very well educated. They may be veterans, they may be elderly, but they're, but they're people who are down on their luck and can't seem to make a living, and it's not necessarily because they don't want to or because they're lazy. It's because of the economy and the collapsing job market, and, and you can, anybody can find themselves in that place. Absolutely, and so she joins kind of a, can we say a cult, so to speak, I would say a cult. I say it's um it's loosely a cult, more of a commune, but there is a leader right. which makes it very cultish. So um yeah, it's a cult and once there, she can't get out. No, and I you know what I like about it? She's not a victim. I mean, when you start hearing her speak in her own voice, it's just what you said earlier, Robin. Like Devin McAllister is really like you know, when she gets out of the cult, you really see her become the full woman she was prior to it, and you and you really have an understanding of how someone might fall into this. I think because so, so 
so many of us who've seen cults on TV or, or watched it on the news wonder how anyone gets sucked into it. And I thought you did a really uh, wonderful job of really kind of showing us why we would someone would journey into a place like that. I thank you. I appreciate that a lot. I think she got there because she was very, very vulnerable, very alone. And once she escaped and was free, she did not seem to have any shame about it. She seemed to have determination to, um, you know, to save herself and her child. And, uh, and I really enjoyed writing about her, too. A lot of times when I start a book, I don't really know how it's going to come out until I've written about it for a while. And um, so that was, that was very fun. So when I started The Hero, I had a specific hero in mind. By the time I ended it, I thought, oh, my gosh, there's a lot of heroes in this book. There are a lot of heroes in this book. I mean, let's talk about Spencer Lawson for a minute. This yeah. is like, his storyline is so intriguing. I don't know if I'm going to do it justice, but technically he was married and his wife, uh, needed. they started needing to take fertility treatments, correct? And they discovered right. that... His wife had colon cancer. I don't, I don't. Am I giving away too much? You have to. You could tell. You could buzz me. No, that's I okay. Am. You're good. You're good. And then You're good. She. So, she has colon cancer, and meanwhile, she becomes pregnant with their son, and then they have to test to see who could match the bone marrow, right? Correct. And so they uh, discover that actually, that's not his son. Well, they, she actually got pregnant um, before. Uh, she got cancer before she. They wanted a second child, and started fertility tre infertility treatments. And that's when they found the cancer. And in searching for bone marrow, they discovered that um, little Austin, ten-year-old Austin, was not was not Spencer's biological child. She, right, she had been to be engaged Hank before. Child. Yeah, she'd been engaged to Hank Cooper, and it was his it was his son, his biological son, and Hank Cooper has absolutely no idea. The secret baby, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. now, Harlequin but is, now, but wait, so then Spencer, <laughs> but then Robin Spencer chooses to stay and bring Austin to meet Cooper, and they relocate to Thunder Point. Right. He, so he, what kind of men he, do this? I mean, where did you where did you come up with this character? Because I have to say, I was scratching my head a little bit about Spencer just going, really? I, I, I think people... Anyone listening who has children, you get so protective, you're wondering like what it would be like to introduce them to the biological parent, especially when someone didn't even know they were having that child. It's kind of like sneaking up on them with a 10-year-old. So what kind of research was involved with that? Well, I um, just character research for me, Max, I really, I really thought it takes a big man. That's what I thought. And I thought Spencer was a big man. And then for Cooper's part... It takes a real big man to not only accept that information, but say, trust me, I'm not, never going to do anything to complicate your life. I'm only going to cooperate with it. I guess we would call those men heroes, correct? <laughs> I would call them heroes. It takes a big man. You know, usually it's the small-minded man that says, you're not touching that, it's mine. You know? Um well, so many I think of the men I, in your books are these kind of iconic, either military backgrounds, firefighters. They've done public service. They're all 
incredibly good looking. I don't think you've ever had a beer belly in your books, Robin, from Virgin River to <laughs> this. And 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 you know, they're all they're all upstanding men. I mean, every single one of them kind of um I, I just really feel it, it um, embodies the American dream. So who 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 were the men in your life that have really kind of inspired this kind of approach to how you look at modern masculinity and the modern man? Well, first of all, let me say that I think sexy is all about integrity. Now, I know you don't see any beer bellies in Thunder Point or Virgin River, and that's part of the romance mystique. But real sexy is about integrity. And I have lots of men in my life that embody that. One is my husband. I have a son who is an Army doctor. Um, he's, uh, he's a wonderful, terrific guy. And I think when you talk about integrity, couldn't talk about any more than that. I have a son-in-law who is a police officer. Same goes. A very upstanding, fine young man. It, uh, these are the men I've... I've I work with men um, in the, in my library um, volunteerism who are are like that. We jokingly call them beta men. You know, you've heard the alpha male thing, mm-hmm. the whole alpha male thing. Well, the beta male is strong, courageous, convicted, and um, he can still hold a baby without being intimidated. I love it. Well, you know, I'm a man who likes to play games, and if anyone knows me as Divabetic, I'm kind of known as the Bob Barker of Outreach. So, Robin, are you ready for your first game tonight to test your knowledge of heroes or everyday men? Yes, I am. I switched costumes. All right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard I'm coughing Okay, so I'm going to read These are multiple choice You have to tell me which one's the correct answer Ready? This is all based on heroes, everybody Superman is really A, Peter Parker B, Clark Kent C, Bruce Banner D, Bruce Wayne Oh, Clark Kent, B <laughs> Yeah, right? That was pretty easy Let's give you some applause The best-selling author, Robin Carr Just knocked that out of the park <laughs> oh, this could get difficult, though, darling. Wonder Woman is really A, Donna Price, B, Diana Prince, C, Diana Troy, D, Donna Price, E, Diana Price. God, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> Linda Carter on Facebook, everybody. Oh, she has the funniest things. You should check that out. All right. Which superhero works as a photographer for the Daily Paper? Who do you think? I, I don't, you just have to fill in the blank. Which superhero works as a photographer for a daily newspaper? Clark Kent, right? Ooh. No. no is he a, Pe- Peter he's Parker. A <laughs> Which superhero has a sidekick named Kato? I don't know. <laughs> I love that you're you're playing along with us tonight. It's the Green Hornet, everyone. And here's your final question, Robert. Robin, ho, 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 and a bottle of rum. This villain will stop at nothing in his quest for a golden treasure he believes is his. 
His defining feature is one missing limb. Is it A, Captain Nemo, B, Edward Teach, C, Captain Hook, or D, Long John Silver? Oh, I think that's Long John Silver. (laughs) (laughs) It was Captain Hook. Oh, Captain Long John Silver has a missing limb, too. Yeah, no, I guess it could have been either one, but it actually said in the trivia game that I looked up that it was Captain Hook. Okay, before we get on to our next game, I have to ask you, Virgin River is an extremely successful series, but people have been writing back and forth wanting to know, uh, are you going to go back to this series now that you're doing Thunder Boy? Well, I certainly can, and and I probably will, um, because the town is still there. I didn't end the series by, you know, ending the town or sending away all the people. Um, but it was time after 20 books in that series to um, to start something new and fresh for a lot of reasons. And one of those reasons is when you get up to 20 books in a series, your new readers are very reluctant to dip in because they're actually kind of afraid they might like it. There's and there's so many to catch up with that they you know that they avoid it. So you start a new series like Thunder Point and and people have an opportunity to start at the beginning. And meanwhile, we're reissuing the original Virgin River books, and I'll probably go back. How do you keep it fresh? You just keep inventing new characters? How do you how do you do that? That's so I mean, that series is so long running. It's really long running. New characters, related characters, new plot ideas, new conflict. Um, in fact, when my, my readers write to me and say, oh, please, can we see more of Jack and Mel, or can we see more of Rick, and I write them back and say, um, what would you like me to do to them? Because I can't sell a book without conflict in it, and conflict means major problem. I, and, you know, poor Rick has lost a baby, lost a limb, lost a <laughs> You know, can we really, can't we let him have a happily ever after? So uh so it has to be new conflict and and new people and um and related people. I love it. And that now, do you like that, to cook? You know, and it has to be a new pardon. I'm sorry, do you like to cook? I no. You hate to, <laughs> you hate to cook? I don't hate to cook. I'm capable of some. But um I cooked for 35 years and um gave my husband the next 35. Well, I love it, because guess what? Straight ahead, it's time to play our second game, Serve, Taste, or Try. And if you're listening, everybody, I'm talking to best-selling author Robin Carr, whose book, The Hero, was number one on the New York Times best-selling list. But first, we're going to meet my good friend, Chef Robert Lewis, a.k.a. The Happy Diabetic, because he's going to help me play our favorite game, Serve, taste, or trash. Hi, Chef Robert. Hi, Max. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Never had it so good. (laughs) Now, Robin, Uh, you might enjoy this. Uh, Chef Robert just came out with a new book himself. He has a new cookbook called Cook Fresh, Live Happy. Hmm. Maybe your husband would enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) And, Robin, it's a perfect book for you because you said you don't really like to cook. This is super simple, easy, and very delicious. I really like to eat. Perfect. Maybe I should come <laughs> over and cook for you then. Well, and you were doing <laughs> cooking demonstrations and taking control of your um, diabetes in Worcester, Massachusetts. So what were you cooking up first 
at taking control before we play our game with Robin? Um, I made a dish out of the cookbook. It, I call it my shrimp scampi of love. It's like a five-ingredient, super fast and simple shrimp scampi with lots of flavor, a little bit of oil, um, very delicious. All right, so Robin, do you enjoy vegetables? I do. I love vegetables. Oh, good. So this is how Serve tra- Taster Trash works. I'm going to read aloud three vegetables. You have to tell me which one you would serve to me or your husband would serve to me, which one you would taste for yourself, and then you could which one you would trash. You could trash, trash one of them, okay? Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, your first uh, tonight. Our first choice is butternut squash. Your second choice in serve, taste, or trash is cauliflower. And the final choice tonight is eggplant. Which one would you serve? Uh, cauliflower. Ooh, how would you serve it? Um, and probably with a little flavoring, a little butter and some garlic. A little, maybe oil. Nice. Mm. Garlic. That sounds good. Which one would you like to taste? I would like to taste the butternut squash, and I'm not a big fan of eggplant. That's probably the best one, isn't it? Well, we're going to find out because I just set Chef Robert Lewis free in the Divabetic Kitchen, and he's whipping up three recipes to see if he could get you to change your mind right now about your opinion. So, Chef Robert Lewis, share some of your recipes with us for butternut squash, cauliflower, and eggplant so we can see if best-selling author Robin Carr might want to change her mind about eggplant. Well, why don't we start with eggplant, Max? So what I love to do is roast vegetables. It's like one of my favorite things to do. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the eggplant, I'm going to wash it, I'm going to trim off much of the um, purple skin, I'm going to dice it, and I'm going to put it in a colander with a little bit of salt sprinkled on top, and I'm going to let it sit for just about 35 to 40 minutes. The salt is going to draw out some moisture and take away some of the bitterness of the eggplant. Then I'm going to rinse all that sauce off, salt off, pat it super dry, 425 degrees, about a half a tablespoon of olive oil, um, and boom, in the oven it goes for about 15 to 20 minutes um, until it's nice and roasty and caramely and kind of crispy. I think that sounds good. Yeah, I mean, the problem with eggplant is when you cook it, it can be really bitter. So I just find that dousing it with a little bit of salt for, you know, 30, 40 minutes and let it just kind of debitterize makes a huge difference. Okay, so how about the cauliflower? Let's do that one. I hate um, cauliflower, so I'm, I'm going to have to tell you, Robin, right up front, I'm not a big cauliflower lover, so I'm dying to hear what the recipe is for this. Okay, I'm going to make a lover out of the Emacs on this one. So here's what we're going to do. In this cauliflower recipe, what I'm going to use is some shallots, roughly chopped, some garlic, just like Robin suggested, some Asiago cheese, some Greek yogurt, and a little salt and pepper to taste. So in essence, what I'm going to do is steam the cauliflower, right? And then I'm going to make it like a mashed potato mixture. So I'm going to smash it all up, add all the ingredients so it's creamy. And it also is, it also has this feel of lumpy mashed potatoes, but yet it's all cauliflower. And oh my gosh, that is amazing. Although, listen, I'm slightly prejudiced 
So I think they're all amazing, but that's a good one. That sounds good. I I love cauliflower. I'm giving that a, a standing ovation. I'm kind of I'm anxious to have that later on. I'll be in the test kitchen with you. <laughs> awesome. You're, and now you're what welcome. are you going to do to butternut squash since Robin said she'd love to taste the butternut squash? Well, here's what I'm going to do. There's a lot of ways to to make butternut squash. Certainly roasting it is a great way to do it, but what I'm going to do is incorporate it into a roasted vegetable soup. So I've got carrots and mushrooms, peppers and onions. I've got some cannoli beans. Um, I've got some butternut squash peeled and diced. Um, I've got garlic, a little olive oil, a little canola oil, fresh thyme, diced tomatoes, vegetable stock, kale, and parsley. And basically I just create a really nice soup. But first what I'm going to do is roast all those vegetables at about 425 degrees with a little bit of olive oil, roast them all up really nice so they're going to be caramely and roasty, about 30 minutes. Then I'm going to pour the tomatoes into the roasted vegetables, put all that into a pot with some chicken stock, my spices, or vegetable stock, my spices, and let it cook for, oh, I don't know, 10 to 20 minutes. And then, Robin, here's the money shot right here. In the last five minutes, I'm going to take my chopped fresh kale and add that to the um, soup, whisk it in there. It's going to get nice and wilted, and that's it. Serve it nice and warm. It's a great fall soup. I love making soups in the wintertime. Soup and stews. Oh, yeah. I do, too, and I hope you have enough samples for all my guests because coming up is Jennifer from Trig Laboratories and Stephanie Garver from Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, plus we still have Marianne Nicolay, who was on earlier from the Diva Club in Cleveland. Those sound delicious. But, Robin, before you tell us what you once you're going to serve, taste, or trash, I want to challenge your food IQ, Diva style, and ask you to trash the recipe that Chef Robert Lewis just told us that you think contains the most amount of carbohydrates. Oh. So was it the cauliflower? Was it the farmer's market roasted vegetable soup? Or was it the eggplant? Okay, was was there a little cheese in that cauliflower? Uh, There was a little Asiago cheese of love in there. Okay. Um, I I don't know. I bet it's the I bet it's the soup. You bet it's the soup. Okay, hold on one second because I'm bringing on Marianne Nicolay from the Diva Club. Marianne, what did you think? Which one do you think had the most carbohydrates? Oh, probably the one with the um, the squash in it. With the hey, squash. Max. Yeah. Max, do you think we should give the winners a cookbook if they get it right? Yes, I would love to do that. Let's give the winner okay, the, cook, so the winners the cookbook. So, uh, hold on one second because we're gonna bring. Let's see, we've got a couple more winners here. Stephanie, what did? Which one did you think was the uh, the food with the most amount of carbs out of the three recipes? One with the butternut squash. And Jennifer from California, Twitch Trig Laboratories. You weren't expecting to play the game tonight, but Jennifer, which one do you think has the most amount of carbs? I would say the squash also. So, actually, Chef Robert Lewis, you would be giving away three cookbooks if it's a butternut squash and one cookbook if it's a farmer's market roast vegetable soup, correct? Well, now, Max, here's what we did. The butternut squash we incorporated into the vegetable soup. Mm Mm-hmm. So everyone's going with the... So is everyone saying the vegetable soup? soup? Yes. Yep. 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 
Okay, it's your last chance. Are you sure? <laughs> well, yes, Max, I'm sure. here's the good news. They are all winners. Way to go. Yay. Okay, got it right. Yay. And that, we should tell them they're all winning Cook Fresh, Live Happy. It's the newest cookbook by Chef Robert Lewis, The Happy Diabetic, my friend. And actually, Steve Edelman, Dr. Steve Edelman, wrote the foreword on this amazing book. And it was a family affair, right, Chef Robert? You had your whole it, it family was. involved in the making of this book. It, it was. My son did the cover design. Uh, my daughter did the interior editing. And my other daughter did the photography. And I was just the eye candy of the whole deal. <laughs> That's great right. eye candy. <laughs> All right, so, now, yeah, Rob, uh, we're going to, now that we were just cooking in the kitchen, you know, uh, this is my Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance campaign, Robin. So many of your characters in your book, women and men both, have had uh, issues that have come up around the bedroom. I know in Virgin River I was reading about, I want to say Paige was the um, district attorney who was dealing with a lot of rape um Oh, that was uh, um, that was Bree. Bree, and so um, and and so then she actually, the man she tried to put away escaped and actually um, assaulted her, right? And then she had to go through a period where she was just kind of in recovery. And she met, I want to say, Mark Venezuela. Is that correct? Mike Venezuela. Yes. Thank you. And he had some issues in the bedroom as well. And they got together. So um, coming up, everybody, I'm inviting Jennifer from Trig Laboratories on to talk to me about some of the best personal lubricants out there for women who not only are living with diabetes but might be going through menopause, breastfeeding, or I know in a lot of your books, Robin, because you really cover women's fictions, you've had breast cancer survivors as well as some uh, women who've actually had cancer in um, several of these novels, correct? You kind of handle all the health issues, actually, in a lot of your books. That's what it's all about with women's fiction. It's not. It's not about. Uh, it's about issues. It's about the issues that we all face. And if we haven't faced them ourselves, our sister or our neighbor or our coworker has. And so um, thought, and that's what. That's what we deal with. Yeah. So I thought Jennifer from Martsoff, uh, Trig Laboratories is a maker of wet. Uh, lubricants and they have wet naturals and Jennifer was just going to help us and help some of your community as well of um, readers learn a little bit more about what lubricants would really be the best choices for women so welcome to the show Jennifer thank you so much and you heard us talking about all the different issues that face women so tell us a little bit I mean I go to the store I'm I'm picking up my Robin Carr novel uh, and she's got several of them but I'm also noticing that the lubricant aisle has gotten bigger and bigger. There are so many choices out there for women today, as well as men. Can you help explain like some of the basic differences between lubricants? Sure. When you go to the shelf now, there are many, many lubricants. Um, you'll find water-based lubricants mainly, and then there are a few silicone-based lubricants. We offer a silicone-based lubricant called Wet Platinum, and that is definitely our bestseller. The silicone does not break down in water, and it's much longer lasting than a water-based would be. It's much silkier. Um, you can use it in the shower or the hot tub. It's, it's very slippery, so be careful. Um, and it's great for women with, with personal dryness, especially extreme personal dryness, things um, that diabetics would experience, um, cancer patients would experience. But it's also just a really fun lubricant, too, so anyone can use it. Is it more expensive than a water-based lubricant? 
It is a little more expensive, but it's much longer lasting, so you don't have to keep reapplying it like you would a water-based lubricant. And how would it differ from, like, an all-natural lubricant? So the all-natural lubricants are generally water-based. They are not going to be as long-lasting. If you experience recurring yeast infections, then uh, we do recommend that you get something that's glycerin-free and paraben-free. They tend to have uh, less chemicals in them. But, again, you'll have to reapply a lot. And why would someone want a glycerin-free lubricant? So there's a there's a perception that glycerin may, um, if you have recurring yeast infections, it may exacerbate that. So it may make your yeast infections more frequent. All right. Whereas and the silicone, the, yes, whereas the silicone would not. Right. So the silicone is really the best option uh, for anyone who's experiencing dryness, right, on a on a regular basis. It is much longer lasting. Some people don't like it because it, it's a little, it feels a little oily, even though it has no oil in it, and you have to wash it off with soap and water, whereas the water-based you can just kind of rinse off. But if you're going to clean up afterwards and, and you can just take a, a washcloth with a little soapy water, it'll come right out. Now, I don't know if you've seen this or uh, these commercials or not, Robin, but I have. There's his and her lubricants on the market. They claim that, you know, it's invigorating for him and sometimes it's thrilling for her. Is there any reason that you would have separate lubricants for uh, his and her lubricants? I think the main reason is to get people to interact. It's kind of a fun thing. It's a date night thing. We have a product called Wet Together. Um, His warms, hers tingles. So, and one's silicone and one's water-based. So when you mix the two, they don't actually mix. It's kind of like oil and water. So you get a nice double layer of lubrication. It's it's neat. I don't recommend it if you have very sensitive skin, though. I never recommend a cooling or a tingling. You should just stick with a plain water-based or a plain silicone-based. And that goes for the warming ones, too? Yes, because sometimes the warming are very warming. We have a product called Wet Warming. It's It's very warming if you like it. I mean, people who like it love it. But if you have sensitive skin, we don't recommend it. Okay, and now just tell me a little bit about flavor, flavored lubricants. Flavored. Our flavored lubricants, it's just all the benefits of our regular water-based lubricants, but they're delicious. They smell good. Um, they're great for oral sex. It's for fun. Um, they are sugar-free, so you don't have to worry about that. We have six flavors. If you're interested, you can check them out on stagewetlonger.com. Um, cherry, strawberry, you can buy the Kiwi Strawberry in any major pharmacy, as well as the Wet Platinum and the Wet Original, and they'll have it there. What's the most popular flavor? Uh, kiwi Strawberry, definitely. So we might have Strawberry to play a third case or trash game with these flavored lubricants <laughs> at some <laughs> <Yeah>. point. <laughs> now, exactly. um, tell, so what, what's the most popular? I mean, Wet has so many different lines and so many great uh, brands out there. What is the most popular selling Wet lubricant? The most popular is definitely Wet Platinum. That's the silicone base that's going to be the longest lasting for you, and it's it's a great all-purpose lubricant. And is it true that if you're using condoms, you really need to use a lubricant to help from the breakage? Yes, very important. If you're using condoms, it's important for breakage. Um, our, our Wet Platinum and our Wet Original are 510K approved as medical devices. They're condom compatible. Um, it is very important you can put a little bit on the inside of the condom to help the man with greater sensitivity to just a little bit, not too much that it would slip off, but just a little bit. If you're using a 
toys, adult toys, it's really important to use lubricants too, just because they wick moisture out of the skin. So you want to have a nice, pleasurable experience. And then you just you're able to rinse it off. Even the silicone, you could just w- rinse off with uh, yes, soap and water. Yes, soapy water. Yes, soap and water. And none of them stain any of the sheets or anything like that, right? The silicone lubricants will stain sheets. So if you if you happen to get a stain, you can just put an oxy like the OxyClean powders. Those will take the stain out. You just have to let it soak for about 20 minutes. Wash it as you normally would, and it'll come out. All right. Well, this is great advice. I want to bring in our final guest tonight. It's um, my good friend. She actually was a co-presenter with me at the American Association of Diabetes Educators Conference in Philadelphia. And one of the subjects we talked about were love and intimacy. She's a pharmacist as well as a certified diabetes educator. Please welcome to the show, Stephanie Garber. Hello, Stephanie. I'm Stephanie? still taking notes from the last session. I'm sorry about the personal <laughs> lubricants. Well, you know, everyone's wondering about the Don't Kill, Let Diabetes Kill Romance. I know Robin Carr's books deal with a lot of women's health issues, but a lot of people don't really know how diabetes affects the bedroom. So can you kind of break down how um, someone's blood sugars might be affecting uh, what's happening in the bedroom for both men and women for us? Sure, Max. Well, What the studies have shown is that up to 35% of women who have diabetes report that they don't or are unable to achieve an orgasm compared to 6% of women who don't have diabetes. And one of the things that, or a lot of things that can happen to women who have high blood sugars is we had talked about yeast infections and um, urinary tract infections. When your blood sugars are high, you are more likely to develop yeast infections and urinary tract infections, and that can cause pain and discomfort during sexual activity. Other things that can be affected by high blood sugars are lack of energy. When your blood sugars are high and you're really tired, who has the energy to engage in any type of sex? So keeping your blood sugars down will help with the energy. Also, with going in line with the decrease in in lubrication, as your blood sugars are high, you can get some nerve damage um, that will cause decrease in lubrication and vaginal dryness, and that too causes pain and uncomfortable sex and might avert having sex. But also stress and changes in hormones, too, can also cause um, decrease in lubrication and vaginal dryness in, in women. And then there's also the fear of having a low blood sugar. If for women that are on insulin or are on medications that will help lower blood sugars, there's nothing worse than a mood killer when your blood sugar um, plummets. So there's also a fear of having low blood sugars during, during sex. And then we had talked about a little bit about depression. Depression affects people with diabetes quite frequently, and when you're depressed, that will also or can cause a decrease in libido for women. So there's a lot of things that can happen um, and occur with high blood sugars and diabetes with sex and, and women. And some of these also go along with, for men, so men who are on medications to lower blood sugars, we they they too can have fear of having a low blood sugar during sex, depression as well. But one of the things that's unique, and we can't turn on a 
football game without watching, um, seeing a TV commercial of a man and a woman sitting in a bathtub together is the unable men are unable to get an erection. Um, and one of the captions is that it may not be, you know, that I don't love the woman. It may be decrease in blood flow. And that's exactly what happens in uh, men who have um, erectile dysfunction and also have diabetes. It's the damage to the nerves that could cause problems with um, getting an erection or maintaining erection. Also, high blood pressure and coronary artery disease that are also suffered by people who have diabetes, that too can lead to the inability to maintain an erection. But something else that we're recently finding out is that men who have diabetes are two times likely to have low testosterone. So low testosterone levels are also shown to show a decrease in the desire to to have sex. Um, and then, again, the increase in blood sugar, again, can cause the decrease in energy to engage in a sexual activity, both, again, in men and, and women. Now, Rob, in a lot of your books, you know, both the men and women are just ready and raring to go. Have you ever written about someone who might have been, uh, who's dealing with sexual health issues, or is that not what romance writers or women's fiction readers want to uh, hear about? No, I absolutely have. And in fact, um, I've dealt with older couples that, um, you know, in their in their 60s that haven't had romance in their life in a very long time. And sometimes that becomes a, a real issue. There's, uh, there's embarrassments, there's dryness, there's all kinds of issues. I really, really enjoy, you know, uh, healthy, safe sex is healthy for every individual. And I really, like, I really like talking about it. And I really like writing about it. And I really like getting my characters there. And I think, you know, Stephanie, a lot of people listening to what you just shared are wondering, like, is there any, are any of these symptoms reversible? Well, I, when we talk about diabetes and sexual um, dysfunction, keeping your blood sugar within goal will help with a lot of these problems. If you keep your blood, sh- blood sugars at goal, um, then we can decrease the infections for women and problems with being tired and energy, Um, but sometimes the damage to the uh, nerves may have already occurred, and in those cases, we want to prevent further damage. But there's other things other than having sexual intercourse that's part of being in a sexual relationship. Just being affectionate and showing intimacy and hugging and snuggling um, can also help. If your partner suffers from um, nerve damage and is unable to maintain an erection, there's other things that you can do to help stimulate him. It could be oral sex. Um, So there's other things that you can do to help reverse, but really it's maintaining good blood sugar control, keeping your blood pressure under control, and watching and keeping your, your cholesterol under control, and and engaging in exercise because exercise helps reduce stress, and when you are under stress, that can help uh, decrease libido as well. So living a healthy lifestyle, eating eating well, taking your medications as they're prescribed, 
all of these can be packaged into a healthy lifestyle, which will always help within within the bedroom. Well, you know, like Robin just said, and what her characters are a little bit embarrassed about talking about it. I mean, people listening tonight are very embarrassed to talk about this with their doctor. What kind of advice can you give for how do you have this kind of doorknob conversation? Because a lot of times they say the the most important question is the one the patients are asking as they're turning the doorknob to leave the office after seeing their doctor. So how should someone approach their doctor or healthcare professional with an issue around sexual wellness? You know, that's a really difficult question, Max, because a lot of times, Healthcare professionals are are uncomfortable dealing with sexual questions as well. So you might have a patient that's uncomfortable talking to their physician or healthcare provider about it, and then you might have the healthcare provider that may be uncomfortable talking to their patients about it. Um, and so one way that you can approach it is if having a same sex. Provider, so a woman talking to her her doctor. If it it may not be her endocrinologist or her primary care physician, it could be her um, GYN. So if you have a relationship with a physician that you are comfortable talking about it, that's that's very important. Also, if you just bringing the problem out of the bedroom, um, and if your physician doesn't ask those questions, have your you yourself need to ask those the questions because a lot of times the medications and that you're on could be contributing to the decrease in in libido and some other things you can do is if you bring your partner with you for support you may not be you may be the one that's embarrassed to talk about it but perhaps you're if you have support from your partner and you, you and your partner are able to talk about it together with your physician, it could help bring down the barrier. But we also have to remember that if you have these questions, it's your responsibility to make sure that you're comfortable talking to your physician or healthcare provider about it and that you get the answers to the questions that you deserve. And I'll tell you, that's why I love to partner with um, women's fiction and romance writers like Robin Carr, because I feel like you're talking about these things in your books, and people read them, and they're learning about it and feeling more comfortable. You know, you're starting the dialogue, Robin, about some of these kind of embarrassing, taboo topics uh, between the pages of these of your books. And, and I'll tell you what, my readers, my, especially my older women readers, are very grateful for that discussion. And they write me all the time and say, thank you so much for talking about older romance. So, Stephanie, do you have any thoughts in closing before we wrap up the show tonight? Well, you know, I get the, the you know, being a pharmacist, I get those questions about those the little blue pill often. And... One thing that I did want to say is that um, for men, it works. But for women, sex begins in the brain. And so for women, the little blue pill doesn't, doesn't affect the desire. And another point that I wanted to make is communication between the, between the partners. If, if you're feeling something that's uncomfortable, you need to talk about it. You need to let your partner in on what you're thinking and what you're feeling because they could help you get through this and get over it. 
And it it may not be as a a big a deal to them as you perceive it to be. So communication is is very, very important. All right, and we're running out of time, so I want to thank all my guests, best-selling author Robin Carr. Thank you for being on the show. Marianne Nicolay from the Be The Better Club. Thank you for being on the show. Chef Robert Lewis, the author of Cook Fresh, Live Happy. Thank you for being on the show. And you just listened to my good friend Stephanie Garber. Thanks for being on the show, Stephanie. We appreciate it. Tune in to our October 8th podcast. We're going to be saluting cancer survivors living with diabetes. In the meantime, remember, every diva dude has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. Thanks for listening.